Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today, we travel to Western Sicily to meet Natalia Simetti on her farm at Partinico, Bosco Falconeria. Good morning, Natalia. How are you today? Hi, Mark. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. I'm sorry I wasn't able to visit you this year, but I hope all is well with your family and with everybody. Yes, luckily enough, everything is fine over here. Tough time but everything is okay. Yeah, that's good to hear. You and the group as well, but hopefully soon we'll be able to arrange it again. Yes, that would be really, really nice. Now, Bosco Falconeria is your family home. Tell us a little bit about your family story. Tell us where Bosco Falconeria is located. What is like so that our listeners can gain an understanding and a picture of, of where you are? Well, Bosco Falconeria is actually um, an area between Partinico and Alcamo, so western Sicily at the border between the province of Palermo and Trapani. It's an area of hills overlooking the Golfo di Castellammare, so the sea. We are not very close to the sea, but close enough to see it and enjoy it view and it's a farm that it's in my family since the 30s of last century it was my great-grandfather who bought it and started making wine uh, here then it was at the beginning of the 70s that my parents decided to restore the first of all the buildings and then the farm itself and start producing then wine and oil and other products. So I grew up in Palermo, actually. I was born in Palermo, but I spent all my all the weekends and uh, Christmas holidays, Easter's holidays, summer here in the farm. And around 13 years ago, I decided to move and live here and work with my father to take care of this place. Yes, it's a very special place. Your your father, Tonino, is an agronomist. Is that right? He was teaching at the University of Palermo? Yeah, he was teaching there. And uh, my mother is instead coming from the United States. And she moved. Uh, she actually came for what should have been one year of break in the beginning of the 60s to work in Partinico at the Danilo Dolci Center and then they met and they actually had different plans. They were thinking of working in cooperation and travel, but then then they ended up taking care of the family farm, but you know, very they ended up being very happy with this <laughs> destiny anyway. That's interesting. I had a similar destiny. I, I came to England for one year and ended up staying here when I met my wife. So I know this, um, how, how things can happen. Your mother, Mary Taylor Sametti, is a well-known American food writer specializing in the foods and food history. 
of Sicily. So I guess from your earliest days, you were coming to Bosco Falconania those weekends, the summers, and just absorbing all this knowledge of the land and of all the abundance of good things that it it could yield. It must have been like a paradise for a child. Yeah, I have I have very good memories about my time spent here. I still remember the trees that were uh, my brother and my favorite ones to play on with and uh, the involvement in the picking the grapes. Of course, there were moments in which we did hate it quite a lot. <laughs> and as soon as we were teenagers, we just stayed in Palermo instead of coming here every weekend. But I have the memories. And I also have still the memories of how all this process influenced also my mother that actually discovered food and food history while she was here. So I do still remember, I mean, I, I, I can remember how even our food experience in the family has been changing since I was a small child. Oh, that's really interesting. Up to now, because when she came to Sicily, of course, her relation with food was totally different. And actually, even in my father's family, Family, there were some health issues, so my grandmother was not so. I still remember some of her special dishes, but in everyday cooking, she was not so um, elaborated. And but slowly, my mother started learning and being fascinated and studying, and so even her eating kind of started changing. And so, coming from that American background and adapting to all the abundance of food that was literally coming from the farm. Yeah, we started making this. So I still remember. And we still, this year was the first time we didn't actually make the sauce in the summer because for many reasons we really didn't have time. And But since I was a child and the, every summer there was the making of the sauce for tomato sauce for the, this tomato sauce for the winter and then the marmalades and and drying the tomatoes to make the paste that is something we've been drying tomatoes but the paste we've never done it actually the concentrato di pomodoro that's something we've never so having absorbed all this your whole life it was a, still a big decision. Did you? When did you know that you would want to take over running of the farm? That you and Rami would make this your your family life? Well, for me, it is funny somehow because uh, for me it has been a pretty pretty long process, and I don't really remember the moment. My father says that there was a moment I went to him and said, like, okay, I decided that's what I want to do, but it, I was already thirty. 35, 34 or something. I don't remember at all that moment for me. I remember it as a little bit longer process in which I slowly, because I've been, I've been away from Sicily for almost 10 years while I was studying at the university and then a little bit after, and then I came back and I started working in Palermo and in the cultural heritage uh, field. And I was coming for the weekends here and then the weekends started to become longer Friday to Monday and then slowly I decided that actually what I wanted to do was if there was a reason to be in Sicily and to stay here it was to be in the farm and take care of it and uh, actually when I met Rami I had just started the process and he right away even if he's from Finland decided to okay then I I'll be the one. 
Wow, gosh. So who can, who moves and so he came here. I think at the beginning he had an idea that he could travel a little bit more and that we could live a little bit of the year here and a little bit of the year in Finland, but then he realized that mm, taking care of a farm, you don't go anywhere. So yeah. There's always something to do every day and every moment. With our climate that it's never like there's always some there's always something you can do. Yeah, sure. Now, in your mother's book on Persephone's Island, she's got, she has a beautiful description of winemaking at Bosco Falconeria that's pretty pretty rudimentary and basic. Wine as it's always been made. I'll just read a, a tiny section here. <clears throat> this is towards the end of the book. I work in fits and starts, one ear attending the sound of the tractor that signals that it is time for me to pull on a windbreaker and go outside to throw the switch on the grape press and start the big brass screw turning. Ours is an old press, its red paint chipped and rusting, and it does a very inefficient job, but what we lose in quantity, we gain in quality. The same delicate squeeze without bruise would cost us extra in a more modern machine. So each year we decide affectionately to cope with the eccentricities of this one for one more season. I'm just wondering, since you've taken over uh, looking after the farm and looking after the winemaking, have things changed very much? Uh, yes or not at the same time. I think the way we make wine has not changed, but this the press my mother was writing about is still in front of you you you, the, you you probably saw it it's still yeah. in front of the house but we are not using it anymore we are making the wine in uh at some friends winery at the moment and the process is the same that means that we try not to control too much or affect too much all the process of making wine the press is much more modern <laughs> it's a, which is softer press that makes for sure a better a better job. And I do remember that when I was a kid to control the temperature during the fermentation, my mother had made these kind of big skirts for the tanks and we would just make them wet with water. Now the system to control the temperature is uh, is controlled with a with a fridge or a system but but still i would say the um, the other aspects are the same that we still don't add uh, selected yeast and we still try to make the grape express as much as possible the territory and the and the harvest and the vintage without interfering too much in in fact that natural approach um, in fact organic and sustainability lies at the heart of what you're doing, not just with the wines, but with everything you're doing. Yeah, um, I have to say that uh, I I was very lucky that I already, my father started moving toward uh, organic agriculture in the 80s. And uh, since then, the farm has been run this way and we take I think it's very important, mainly when you do agriculture, is you're not only producing, but you're also taking care. You're not only producing food, but you have to take care both of the landscape, but also the soil and the possibility of for the future generations to keep using the soil. So um, organic agriculture, but even beyond uh, regenerative agriculture are very important for us. It would not really make sense to produce in another way. So we try to do our best to 
uh, take care and of the biodiversity we already have in the farm, and uh, but to also improve it and be very improve also our way as much as much as possible of taking care of this of the soil. Mm-hmm. Well, let's discuss uh, three wines you make. You're growing Catarato and Nero d'Avola, and you also make a, a very special wine that I particularly love, the Falco Peregrino. Let's just talk about your wines. We all, There is all, actually a surprise. We have a fourth wine since 2019 with the Nero d'Avola. We've started making a rosato, a rosé. Oh, I look forward to trying that. <laughs> So, yeah, we grow Cataratto and Nero d'Avola, which are the most common local varieties. And we make two white wines from the Cataratto, one which is a classical white and a Falco Peregrino, uh, which is so-called orange wine, that wine, white wine that ferments on the skin, and then the Nero d'Avola. And now, since we had some younger vines of Nero d'Avola, we've started experimenting with, uh, as I was saying, with a rosato. And they're all wines that try to be as much as possible expression of this area and the kind of soil we have and also of the vintage. So what has been going through the year in terms of climate before we pick our grapes and um, yes i i think that your wines to me taste very very pure they're really pure expressions of of these important native grape varieties yeah and i think that both both varieties the cataratto and the nero d'avola are very interesting varieties that if you don't try to make them correspond to an idea that you already have of a taste or how they should taste they kind of make surprise you and be very interesting and um, our wine are actually according to me pretty straightforward pretty simple into brackets wines but if you let the variety express itself then at the same time they can be complex and they can be very interesting and especially the cataratto it's a variety with this that has this kind of a little bit bitter aftertaste that makes it very particular and that can express change a lot from areas to areas. So I would say maybe one of the best, according to me, of course, I'm a Cataratto producer, one of the best Sicilian varieties. And very interesting, too, when you ferment it on the skins to make this intriguing Falco Peregrino, which I think is such a wonderful wine with food, that richness. Yeah, it is is actually a wine that at the beginning when you taste it, you may think it's difficult to... Uh, to drink while eating, but instead it has pretty. It's pretty good with everything. I would say it's. We like to consider it our winter wine, white wine, because it's. Uh, of course, being on this, having been on the skin, is a white that you don't wanna chill too much. You the best it's to drink it. Uh, yes, just at the room temperature. Yeah. Yeah. And it is very, very good to be drunk in the in the winter as, as well as of wine because it, white wine goes very good with very well with cheeses and also meat. Mm-hmm. Yes, those wonderful pecorino cheeses from your area. Yeah, <laughs> you you also cultivate a number of other products produce at 
at Bosco Falcon and here. Just explain what else you're doing on the farm. Well, we produce olive oil. We transform some of our wine into vinegar. But we also have fruit trees, so we have also production of fruits and a little bit of vegetables as well that we sell on the local market. Uh, We used to produce more until a few years ago. Now we mainly produce the vegetables for ourselves because we don't have lots of water, so we had to make some decisions on how to use the water we had. So we grow mainly in the summer pumpkins and watermelons. Uh, we have three varieties of olives, the Biancolilla, Nocellare, and Cerasuola, which are all of this area. And with that, we produce the extra virgin olive oil. Yes, it's a wonderful oil. I've really enjoyed tasting that, um, often seasoning your own vegetables. The olive oil, the olive cultivation has been difficult in recent years. You've had some problems with this fly that's Come in. Is that is that better now? Um, what this was a. It was uh, we were still harvesting a little bit because this has been a very very wet fall here. It has been raining so much, too much. Uh, it has been uh, so so. The quality is very good, uh, but not many olives. But yeah, in the last years, it has been quite. I think that maybe olive trees at the moment are the ones that one way or the other are suffering the mo- most uh, climate changing for some reason. So it's uh, it's a little bit difficult. They have a the, It is a tree that, for its nature, produces every two years more. But in the past, it was much easier through the way you prune it uh, to kind of make it more even. Nowadays, it's really like the last five or six years have been really every year different than the other. There has been, I think it was 2018, we, for the first time in my father's history, we didn't pick any olives. There weren't olives. But... We will have to find a way, like in with everything else, to to adapt to what the future is going to be. Well, I was also really interested to see on my last visits the Achataya that you built, this purpose-built building to create some really exquisite wine vinegar. Tell us a little bit about this project. Yeah, that when when I took over the farm and I could make a project to get some funding from the European community, I decided to to do that because we had always well in Sicily it's, it was pretty common for every family to make their own wine in the countryside and then to have a barrel for vinegar. And my father, I remember when I was a child, found a barrel some in another area storage that my great grandfather had and move it here and then we started making vinegar and we I always played with him in tasting the vinegar and deciding which one was better and we would every year when we were harvesting add some wine so I decided but we were not doing it officially so I decided that I was going to to build a proper place that we decided to do with um according to a more sustainable architecture. So it's built in wood and straw. And then we started making there the vinegar the way it has always been made here. So in the most slow and static way, just uh, putting together 
some alive vinegar and uh, wine and just let it have time and oxygen enough to produce uh, in wooden barrels in wooden barrels yes we it's funny but we make the wine in 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 in, in stainless steel yeah stainless steel exactly and vinegar in in wood but Wood is the best because for making vinegar because it becomes perfect home for the bacteria. Still, even if you would have a get out all the vinegar from the barrel, still there would be lots of life in the barrel and you can always restart with making vinegar. And so we do make vinegar both from our Caterratto and from our Nero Davola. It's a very traditional Sicilian strong vinegar, but at the same time keeps all the different flavors of the original wine. Yes, it's a wonderful vinegar and quite important to to the cuisine of Sicily, this sort of balance of... Yeah, the, the combination of vinegar and, and sugar, the sweet and sour, is quite traditional in many dishes like the caponata or the sweet and sour zucca, squash, in many different dishes. It's a combination that very important and enjoyable. Um, your personal family cuisine goes beyond just flavors of Sicily to America, to Finland through Rami. Are there particular favorite foods that you enjoy with your own produce that are reflecting these these influences? Yeah, I would say, well, we eat a lot of, for example, in the summer, a lot of Sicilian cuisine made out directly from our uh, products. So the pasta con itenerumi, which is a vegetable that we grow. Is that the big, big, tall, long courgette? type thing, a big squash, very, very big. Yeah, you eat also the young leaves in the summer and you make a pasta with, with it that, in which the oil is a very important ingredient. So that's a way to eat lots of oil. We do also make some caponata. We, with the vinegar and some of our other products, we are, and that comes a lot from my mother's side, we make a lot of uh, pickles. So we make figs and we use also the watermelon to make pickles. So we have, from Finland, it's more the um, bread and uh, and sweets because Rami, no, Rami it's, was, has actually a past as a baker. So he does make bread and sweets, but with the local, we don't grow wheat, but we use um, like uh, Perchasaki or Mallorca or anyway, local ancient varieties of wheat that are grown by local producers, friends who work in, uh, with wheat instead. So yeah, it's a kind of Nice combination. I'm actually thinking that maybe I will, some of these pickles I may start making to small quantities to sell because it's a nice mixture of Sicily and other cooking traditions. Well, I've really enjoyed sitting around that abundant table at Bosco Falconeria uh, with almost everything coming from the farm. And it's a real pleasure. And I hope our visitors have gained uh, something of an idea of of this special corner of the world where you're living and working with your family. It's been a real pleasure talking to you this morning, Natalia. It was uh, nice to hear you and talk to you also. And catch up. And I and please send my warmest wishes to, to Rami and to your mother and father as well. And I look forward to coming back again 
sometime in the future. I will. Yeah, I hope so. I'm really looking forward to have you taste our rosato and see what you think about it. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Thank you very much, Natalia, and we'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food, and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. everybody. Italian Wine Podcast celebrates its fourth anniversary this year, and we all love the great content they put out every day. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People has become a big part of our day, and the team in Verona needs to feel our love. Producing the show is not easy, folks. Hurting all those hosts, getting the interviews, dropping the clubhouse recordings, not to mention editing all the material. Let's give them a tangible fan hug with a contribution to all their costs. Head to ItalianWinePodcast.com and click Donate to show your love.